The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. All right, 4.07 on the Central Coast. On this Wednesday, January 11th, uh, 2023, I'm Dave Congleton. Uh, still to come on this uh, broadcast, Rich divides his time between Morro Bay and Mexico, so he's the obvious go-to guy to get the very latest perspective on what's happening, not happening down at the border. Uh, some other current issues we want to talk about as well. At 6.05, we'll share with you our interview with brand-new supervisor Jimmy Paulding. It is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. This hour, uh, Debbie Peterson has been involved in local politics for a long time. She was on the Grover Beach Planning Commission, then she was on the city council, then she was the mayor. She also ran for supervisor, but that's a different story. Uh, last year, she had a best-selling book called The Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town, which, by the way, is still available however you get books. Now the former mayor is out with a new book called City Council 101, An Insider's Guide for New Council Members. Uh, we're going to hope this connection works as we welcome back Debbie Peterson to the broadcast. Debbie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dave. Am I coming through any better now? Yeah, let's hope. Let's see, let's see how this works. Anyway, <laughs> okay. congratulations on the new book, a standard author question. What prompted you to write a book? called City Council 101? You know, it actually was part of the first book. And um, the follow-up book from this, We the People 101, was part of the first book. But that would have been about a 1,000 pages. So I took the advice of pretty much everybody who read it, uh, pre-read it for me, and that was to create three books. So the first book, The Happiest Corruption, is the book that hopefully will get folks' attention. And once I have their attention, if they intend to be on a city council or are on a city council, then I wanted to, to um, give some pointers of things that it took me about six years to learn by osmosis. I wanted to speed up that process for folks so they could do it better. Hmm. And that leaves the third book. What would that be? The third one is going to be We the People 101, How to Beat City Hall, and not because I want to beat up City Hall, but because people think you can't beat City Hall, and as many of us know now, you, you can beat hmm. City Hall. Hmm. And how do people get the book, Debbie? It is available on Amazon, and they should be available in bookstores now as well. Uh, you should be able to get it at Barnes & Noble or wherever you buy your books. Volumes of Pleasure has been carrying the books in Los Osos, and um, it is available on Amazon. If you just Google Happiest Corruption or City Council 101 or even Integrity 101, you will find the books. So let's back up a minute and talk a little bit about your involvement in local politics. You started out, you were appointed to the Planning Commission? In the Grover I Beach? Was on the planning, yeah, I was on the Grover Beach Planning Commission for four years. I chaired it for the last two years, and then I went on to the city council for four years, was mayor for two years, and, and then went back to the council for three years. What made you get involved with the Grover Beach politics? Well, 
politics is an interesting word. I, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but I hate politics. Yeah. <laughs> I could never do office politics. I never, I never um, got involved in politics in any way, really. Um, I lived out of the country for 20 years, so I couldn't um, do much more than vote. But um, I had a degree in public relations, and Grover Beach, as everyone knows, needed some help with their PR. And also, I had um, a very successful company in Great Britain and had spent a lot of time um, as a management consultant after I sold it, but before that, consulting with um, small companies on business startups and launches. And the city of Grover Beach's budget and the number of employees and outlets was about the same as what my country, company had been when I had it. And so I thought, you know, I could I could really wrap my arms around this. I could probably do something that would serve my community and, and help them move forward. Hmm. But then you run for city council and you win. So how do they prepare you to serve on city council in Grover Beach? All or many cities belong to a, an organization called the California League of Cities, and they do some very good training. They do some of the ethics training that we're required to take. Um, but the problem is not all cities are members. Not all council members go to the League of Cities meetings up in Sacramento once or twice a year. And if they do go, they don't necessarily take the courses on good governance. And so there really is very, very little training. And um, the training is some information on sunshine laws in California. It's the Brown Act. Um, and no, no training on the First Amendment, God forbid. And um, and not a lot of training, uh, well, no training at all on Robert's Rules of Order or why things work in the way they work and what are the principles behind it. So then when, when you began on the city council, how did you learn the job? What was that experience like for you? Honestly, it's osmosis. And it, it's this, you know, you sit through the meetings for long enough that it eventually it dawns on you that this is the order it's supposed to be done in and here is why. Um, but it, it, there you you learn it by osmosis. Robert's Rules of Order is something that you really have to read the book to get it, and um, the cities don't religiously follow that, but they follow that um, basically the same principles and rules mm. as Robert's Rules of Order. Mm. But did you did you feel like you knew from the beginning, or did it take you a while to figure out the, the territory? It 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 took me a while to really get it. Um, you know, you can you can go along and, and say your piece and do what you're supposed to do when you're asked to do what you're supposed to do. But to really understand the principles behind it, takes it takes some time. It takes quite a lot of time. Well, and I want to ask is whether or not you think the experiences that you have, have gone through and other Grover Beach City Council, are these universal? Can other people benefit from reading this book? I think people all over the world can benefit because it's basically democracy. It's just about how do you how do you operate a government of the people, by the people, for the people, in a way that the people can see what's going on, can understand what's going on, can participate in what's going on, um, and can have their say. And so, you know, democracy wherever we have democracy, it's it's the same all over the world, and the same principles are followed in meetings. Mm. 
Debbie Peterson on this broadcast, introducing us to her brand new book, City Council 101, An Insider's Guide for New Council Members. And and yet, I, I, I applaud what you're saying, Debbie, but I think that uh, city council members are at an inherent disadvantage, at least at the beginning, because they walk in and they, by and large, have to deal with staff who have been there forever, who know the system, and they have the advantage over council members. Yes, and that's the complaint of many a good council member who's really paying attention. Um, when you're trained, and that's another reason I wrote the book, when you're trained by city council, you're in effect trained by the bureaucracy. You're trained by the ones who um, know how to game the system, know how to game the council members, and unfortunately in, are, are employed by the council majority and so are going to kowtow to the council majority rather than um, necessarily... Um, look for doing open governance. <laughs> um, it's not always true, but uh, yes, it is a disadvantage because um, what happens is you begin you begin to think of yourself sometimes as a city hall employee because you get a paycheck. That's you know IRS insists that we do the whole paycheck thing with the deductions, and and so you get a paycheck just like everybody else in a W two, and it's really easy to start to think that you are a staff member. And because of that, what? Well, because of that, because of that, you forget who your boss is. Um, at the end of the day, the boss is the people, and um, it, not the people who elected you, but the whole community uh, for which you were represented to represent. So, um, it's if you're thinking, it, what happens at City Hall is, and what happens when you're a council member, you get to know so many things, and you know what's going on and why it's going on, is it becomes frustrating to have to answer a bunch of questions from the public because they don't know, and quite you know, quite rightly they don't know. They're not there every day. And, um, and so you begin to think of the public as a nuisance. You begin to think of yourself maybe as better from everybody else because you know more than they do. And um, it's really easy to get into a government culture which says, well, you know, let's just move forward with stuff. Let's get it done. Let's not involve the public. Everybody screams and hollers. We don't want to listen to screaming and hollering. We don't want to be embarrassed. So um, let's just try to get things through without having to involve the public. And so the, it, what happens is, is this culture of avoidance of involving the public. And in fact, I came across it the other day. I was on another radio show, and as I was coming out of the show, there was an assistant city manager there. And she said, oh, my God, the Brown Act. Oh, not the Brown Act, no. And it's what I, would, what I heard a lot when I was um, when I was a council member and a mayor was, well, how do we get around the Brown Act? Really? Oh, yeah. The Brown Act is Absolutely. supposed to be there to, to shine light on the process, to protect us. Yes. And when I sat on, um, I sat on two different committees, three actually committees up um, it, with the League of California Cities, and um, they have cities so that they can lobby the legislature on behalf of our communities, and um, or they have... Um, uh, not cities, they have committees. And um, I sat on three of those, and one of them was very specifically involved with open governance. And um, all of the city, many of the city registrars were members, the voting clerks, and um, but a number of council members. And it, it just used to, uh, it just, it drove me crazy because the attitude was the Brown Act is a complete pain. It gets in the way. We can't get things done. And, um, and, you know, let's see what we can do to get around it. All right. We are in conversation with the former mayor of uh, 
his, uh, excuse me, Grover Peach, Debbie Peterson, author of a brand new book, City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members, available however you get books. And even if you don't ever plan on running for city council, there is some very useful perspective here for people who want to kind of figure out the process more and understand it more. A lot more to cover with Debbie. We'll pick it up as we continue right here on AM 920, FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. Tomorrow on Hometown Radio, Joe Brittingham checks the economy. Uh, we're going to have some live music from Wally Barnick. Also, uh, we're going to have uh, Jeff and Joan Buckingham with us. And we're going to listen to Joan share her journey as she fought cancer over the last uh, few years. It has a happy ending. Uh, it is the Dave Congleton Show, always your Hometown Radio talk show. We are in conversation with Debbie Peterson, a former mayor of Grover Beach, former city council member of Grover Beach, who has put her experiences into writing with a new book called City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members, available however you get your books. So as we continue with you, as we continue with you, uh, Debbie, I think it's a fair yeah. question to ask since you've been involved in local politics on the scene for so long. Give us give us examples of people, whether on Grover Beach or other city councils, that you think have been effective city council members. Well, the good news is there are a lot of them. There are a lot of good folks out there in in our county, and. Um, one of the ones who I always loved was Dee Santos, and she wanted me to make sure to tell you she's not related to the other Santos oh. in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, Dee uh, was on the council um, as much as 20 years ago, but stayed on for quite a while, and she's on the school board now. Um, but her the resounding message all the years I've known Dee, and she she was there when we were revolving mayors, so she was a mayor as well. And um, she was the only woman on the board, I think, at that time for a very long time. And her resounding message was, and it sounds not politically correct unless you've ever seen Dee because she's very small. <laughs> she says, Debbie, always watch out for the little people. Hmm. And what she meant by that was, you know, the people who got us here, how did we get where we are right now in the city? Because we have come a long ways. And, um, and the people in the community, and she is, um, she's a hairdresser and, or maybe that's the wrong word, maybe beautician. I'm not sure the right terminology, but, but she knows everybody. She talks to everybody. She listens to everybody and she brings people's concerns to the council, even when she's not involved. Um, and I know she's been involved in some great things at Lucia Amar, which has been a great school district for my family. Hmm. Uh, Any other names? The other one is Dan Carpenter, and I would say that Dan served on the um, San Luis Obispo City Council, and he and I both at the same time, I guess you could say we ran against each other and Adam Hill, And um, except there was one huge difference, and that is that Dan and I respected each other's right to run and uh, respected one another and worked together well, even though we were running for the same seat. Um, what I liked about Dan and Dee is that they, they're not afraid to speak up. They're not afraid to ask questions. They're not afraid to have people not like them because they do it. But that really, in my opinion, is our our role, our responsibility as council members is to ask those difficult questions, because if we don't, who will? 
yeah. hopefully the people. <laughs> the, the, the two names I would uh, toss out are both from my experience here in San Luis. One would be Christine Mulholland. And the reason I would pick Christine is that she read the reports. She read everything. And she was not afraid to ask questions of staff and to uh, put staff in the hot seat if needed. And I don't think we see enough of that, Debbie. The other one I'd throw out is Andrew Carter. Andrew Carter was also on the San Luis City Council, and I wish he had stuck around long enough to be mayor, but he moved away, and that's another story. But but both Mulholland and Carter read everything. They were detail-oriented, and they didn't accept staff's word just on face value. They wanted proof often. I am with you 100% on both of those. I agree with you on that. And I think I think that's a, a key part, and I guess that would lead to this question then. What, what makes a good city council member? Well, first of all, if they recognize who they work for and that they work for the people of their community. And um, secondly, I think if they understand their roles and responsibilities on boards, and that's, that's one of the things I cover a lot in, in the book, um, City Council 101, and um, and by that I mean, the, I think I had a mentor who was the chairman of of an international bank, um, mentored me on on boardsmanship, and he said that the single most important thing you can do is ask questions because that's how you figure out anything when you're reading the reports that maybe isn't making sense to you and won't make sense to the community. Um, That's how you do it. And that's the only way that you keep everybody honest and that everybody does the best possible work they can do is by reviewing one another's work. And and then if things need to be corrected, then they can be corrected. Or if they just need to be explained, that's good too. Yeah. I got about a minute left, Debbie. But my fear is that too many city council members, particularly in the early years, um, don't feel like they have the expertise to challenge staff, and they just kind of defer to staff. Well, they must be the experts, so they know what they're doing. That's my second thing I cover, is that they should be the dog, not the tail. They should not be told what to do by staff. They are staff's boss. Um, they should be telling staff, as the representatives of the people of the community, uh, what it is we, the people of the community, want. All right. Uh, Debbie Peterson is with us. Her brand-new book is called uh, City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members. Available how you get, however you get books. You can also pick up the book that she came out with last year called The Happiest Corruption, Slays, Lies, and Suicide in the California Beach Town. Both books are doing quite well. Uh, both books uh, have very useful information to call citizens to action, to be involved in the local process, and what happens when we don't do our job. Anyway, we got a lot more to cover with uh, Debbie. We're going to go to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with time saver traffic and weather together, and we will continue our conversation. You're listening to Hometown Radio. Happy Wednesday.
Light, have you with us on Hometown Radio. Rich, our man in Mexico, is going to be joining us at 5.05 to talk about what's happening on the border. We'll uh, share with you our interview with Jimmy Paulding at 6.05. It's a busy afternoon. As we spend this hour with Debbie Peterson, uh, former mayor of Grover Beach, former city council member whose experiences led to a brand new book called City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members, available however you get your books. I think at the heart of it, Debbie, as we're back with you, is the uh, is the question, is there an inherent um, tension between council and staff? And I'd like you to address that, please, because I'm sure it varies from city to city, but, you know, there's got to be some, some inherent conflict in there to start with. I would say in a perfect world, we would be we're all working together towards the same end, and that's where I'd like to see it go. However, I, I think there often is conflict, um, conflict because of your different positions and roles. And, and that's not a bad thing. You know, in democracy, we are supposed to being, be having spirited discourse. And so if that spirited discourse is occurring between staff and council members, um, if their ultimate goal is the, is the well-being of the communities they serve, then, then okay, that's all right. It's okay to air those things. Hmm. Well, let's look at some specifics, though. Let's talk about the role of the city manager in any city vis-a-vis the city council. I have a feeling, for example, here in San Luis, city council defers a lot to Derek Johnson. That's not a criticism. That's just an observation. I would I would criticize that. <laughs> I would criticize it because um, at the end of the day, the people who are the boss, they are the board. The council is the board of directors, and the board of directors relies on the city um, city staff and the city manager to give them really good information so that they can make good decisions, but it's so that they can make good decisions. The decisions should be made and led by the board after input from the public. It should not be um, the city staff who are dictating where we go and how we do it. And so I think it's an abdication of responsibility if, um, if, the, if a board allows the CEO to um, lead them around by a ring in their nose. Well, it's I don't mean I don't mean to give that impression. It's just that I think in San Luis Obispo, city council tends we have a strong city manager system. That's what I meant. Yes, and we do, and there are different systems, and, and all of our towns, all of our towns in this county have the strong city manager system, and that is a good system. But it's city manager council, it's not just city manager, and of course the council hires and fires city managers too, and so there is that, um, that authority that, that creates somewhat of a balance. Um, and I, I'm, I like city managers. I, almost everyone I've met, um, I've had huge respect for because they really have driven the vision of their communities and they're very informed and, um, very good at their jobs. They're professionals. And so I'm not opposed to city managers at all. I just want to make sure that council members are, are doing the jobs that the people who elect them are expecting them to do. And, and th- that's where my concern comes in. Well, so you live in Grover Beach. How are things in Grover Beach? Do you have a strong city manager and a weak council? Do you have a strong city council and a weak manager? What's the relationship like down there? 
I think historically Grover Beach hasn't fallen into that trap as much. Um, I don't I I don't know why, <laughs> but I don't think we have fallen into that trap as much as as say for instance San Luis Obispo, and um, and really that's why I wrote the book because I want people I want council members and the public to understand what the roles and responsibilities are for each of us. And if if we go back to the question about city managers around the turn of the century, if you think things are corrupt now, it was worse then. And um, and so what happened is professional city managers invo- evolved and took on the roles of the chief executives to run cities. In some cases, you'll have a mayor running the city. The mayor is the chief executive. Um, that's usually in much larger cities and not usually the case in California. Debbie Peterson on this broadcast. A brand new book is called City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members, available however you get books. If you want in on the conversation, feel free to join us. Phone lines, text lines are both open. 805-543-8830. That's the number that brings you into the conversation. All right, that's a city manager. So then what is the role of the city attorney in the process, and what's the relationship between the city attorney and the city council? The city attorney is appointed by the city council and um, is, in my view, responsible for making sure that everything that we do as a council um, is following the letter of the law and the law as far as... um, as far as protecting the public. And so my, in my view, that's the city manage, city attorney's role is to make sure that the laws are carried out to the benefit of, of the public. Um, provided that's how the law is written, of course, but, um, it, most city, most city attorneys, well, I'm, I understand that they, uh, there are some arguments about whether that's their role or not. Many of them tend to see themselves more as, as the attorney for the city, um, more for the, the bureaucracy and, and I'm not opposed to bureaucracy. We need it. But, um, but for the, for the institution itself and, and in many cases to protect the councils, um, when they misbehave or individual council members when they misbehave, which in in my view is is an abdication of their role. All right, let's take a call. We've got Don in Los Osos. Hey, Don. Hey there. Hi. This sounds, sounds like a terrifically experienced person, uh, and I've got a passionate question to ask. I, my family's been paying taxes in this county for a century, and I, I don't want to see it run like elections like Mena, Arkansas. So does does Ms. Peterson have any thought on the deliberate delay of election counting versus the election code uh, in the recent supervisor race? Well, we're way off topic here, but Debbie, go ahead and comment. Well, it's not off topic in terms of what I, I believe in. Um, and, and I think it's a, I'm glad that questions asked. I do have a view and I think that, um, I didn't personally have a problem with the way things were were drawn. Um, it just it didn't affect me. But what really bothered me is that there were voters who were disenfranchised. And I don't care what the excuse is. I don't care if it's legal. I don't care what party they are, who they are, where it is. We should never be disenfranchising voters. And that my biggest concern about all of that was that there were voters who were disenfranchised. And that just should never happen. We should never not be able not not have a vote um, because of a switcheroo. That, to me, is is untenable. Yeah. Don? Well, I just thank her for acknowledging the question and, and that response. I, I, her, her wisdom would be so helpful in, I think, any municipal government. 
I agree with you, Don. I'm glad you called. Thank you very much. 805-543-8830. Marsha is in Grover on KVEC. Hi, Marsha. Hi. Hi. Um, I was just going to say I've read um, parts of Debbie's book um, from excerpts, and everybody should read it. Not only people who want to um, get into public service, but people who complain after an election or a board meeting who didn't, you know, attend the board meeting, didn't listen to a council meeting, um, it really gives you inside information about how local government works, and it affects all of us. And I, I highly recommend the 101 book. It's really good. What do you say, Debbie? Well, thank you, Marsha. Um, I appreciate that. Marsha, does it make yeah. you want to write, run for city council someday? <laughs> uh, possibly. I served as commissioner for Grover Beach about 20 years ago, and um, it really gave me a good experience and let me know how local government affected me and what I could do in my small way in, in helping out. But um, I don't know if uh, it takes a lot of time and uh, I'm kind of enjoying, you know, doing a few other things, but I may do it in the future. Yeah, good. Thanks for checking in, Marsha. We appreciate the call. But that makes a legitimate follow-up question, Debbie Peterson, is who should consider running for city council, and what is it they need to consider, regardless of the city, before they run? Well, I th- it is an important consideration whether you have the time and the bandwidth to do it because there's an incredible amount of reading. Honestly, I would say take a speed reading course. That was the best thing I ever did in college, thanks to my mother for that one. Um, and uh, th- so there's a lot of reading. There are a lot of meetings to attend. There's a lot to learn. It's a lot. It is very, very interesting and and a lot of fun, and you meet people you wouldn't have met otherwise. There are a lot of advantages. Um, but you certainly, you need, if you're running for city council, you need to have 20 hours a week that you can commit to that, to the reading, to the attending meetings, um, and just to responding to people when they get in touch. I think you'd also probably have to have a pretty thick skin when you have to take a controversial <laughs> position. Well, it helped that I started out as a realtor. It helped that I'd lived in a foreign country where they didn't always like Americans. So, yes, I had a lot of practice getting used to that concept. Hmm. All right. Uh, the book is called uh, City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members. Available however you get books. The author, Debbie Peterson, is the former mayor of Grover Beach. We'll be back for a final segment. We're live. We're local. This is Hometown Radio. We are in conversation with Debbie Peterson, former mayor of Grover Beach, author of New Book City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members. Also, don't forget about her first book, The Happiest Corruption. Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town. Both books are out and about. Get them however you get books. Um, I, I would recommend both books for informed citizens. And I think that's one of the things as we uh, come back to you, Debbie. And if you want in on the conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830. Is it, it, I agree with you that city council members um, are representative of the public and we work for the public. But you got to have the public show up. They've got to do their part, don't they? Yes. 
because we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And we all think that we have checks and balances at the local level, but we don't. The check and the balance at the local level is you. It's the people. And and I think that's something I hadn't said before, but the reason this matters so much to me is one time when I was the mayor, I was talking to women from other counties, counties that were much poorer than ours, smaller than ours. They all had rehab beds. They all had mental health beds, and we didn't. And I... It's because money is going in places it shouldn't go, so the budget's not there to do the really critically needed services. And so we're a great little county, but we could be an incredible little county if people were paying attention to where the money goes and making sure that the corruption isn't happen happening. And it does happen when you don't pay attention, and people get hurt. People die. So where it's, And it just breaks my heart. So where is the money going in this county? And where should it be going? What's your concern? Well, you know, there were there was there were a lot of um, there was a lot of money that that obviously we know went to Adam Hill. Some of that wasn't coming from inside the county, but um, in some cases, it's contractors who are um, who are double dealing and have been convicted of that. In some cases, it's um, it's just plain maybe egos of people on councils, and so money is being spent that doesn't need to be spent, or lawsuits are being incurred because they aren't, uh, they're wasting money with lawsuits, public agencies suing other public agencies because of the egos of the parties involved, um, or because they're passing bad ordinances and bad resolutions that, that aren't, um, that can't be defended. So right. There are a whole lot of different ways it happens, but it doesn't happen when we pay attention and ask questions. Let's take another call. Here is Jeff in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Jeff. Hi. How are you folks this evening? We're good. Good. Uh, Debbie, I, so one of my big pet peeves is I don't believe that our mayors and our council members or our board members for the supervisor have the power they should and it's because they don't have power over the agenda. Our county managers and our city managers across the board here control that agenda. And I would like to see a resolution on across the board in all in our county, all of our mayors, our council members and our boards of supervisors vote where the chair alone on the uh, board of supervisors can bring items to the table for the agenda to vote on, or on a city level, the mayor, or no more than uh, two people. As it sets, it takes three of our elected officials to even bring things to that agenda. And well, our stay with us, Jeff. Let's, are yeah, let's indirectly get, directing. Let's, let's get a comment from our guest, Debbie. Well, um, as you were talking, I was trying to work out, okay, how does it work? And I'm not sure how it works in every case. I know, um, you know, with, it is possible to get things on the agenda, even as the minority, if you bring them up in public comment and you can convince the rest of the council, or at least another two people on a five-member council, that, that yes, this should be heard. And, and sometimes just the act of bringing it up in public will shame people into... Um, 
letting the minority be heard. But that uh, my concern there with what you're talking about is that, well, twofold. One is that it is the board that should be determining the agenda, um, although the staff should be facilitating. And um, the other concern is uh, the whole issue of minority, because um, the minority should be heard. And that's the beauty of democracy. The minority doesn't win the vote, but the minority gets heard. And as a, and as a result, things still can change. Jeff, um, that Jeff. benefit everyone. What else you want to say, Jeff? Agreed, absolutely. The the people need to be heard. That's that's what we're lacking here. Jeff, you go to yeah. a lot of city council meetings. Do you see a, do you see attendance? Uh, you know, I I have, but I haven't uh, just recently. I've been busy with several other things, but I I would like to see more of our public be involved. I would like to see our public speak up. And 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 they do in a lot of ways. And my problem here is when I see the public speak up, uh, it doesn't change anything. We we talk about the homeless, the mentally ill, and all this, but it, none of this makes it to the agenda to vote on any of this. Comment on that, Our Debbie. managers aren't putting it there. Debbie, is Jeff being too so, cynical? I'm going to jump in. This is an opportunity. I, I had the opportunity to speak with the editor of a large national magazine who was invited as a guest of the Norwegian government to go to Norway. And in Norway, there was a huge uproar. The papers all over the country were going off on this because they found one, one man on the streets of Oslo, Norway, the capital, who was homeless. One man. And it was a public scandal. It was a political scandal. So I'm here to tell you that we can do better. If we care. If we care. Mm. If we get involved. And Norway is voted one of the top, one of the ten top happiest countries in the world by its citizens. Um, it has been for the last 20 years or so. Um, and they are, and one of the reasons is low corruption. That's a huge reason. And it's the biggest reason. And the other reason is um, that they really participate in their government. Yeah. All right, Jeff, thanks for tuning in. We have been chatting with Debbie Peterson. The book is City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members. I, I want to make a point here as we start to wrap things up, Debbie. I think part of the problem is, particularly in these smaller towns, is that the media has cut back. And it's hard to get citizens involved when, like, in this case, if the KSBY has cutbacks, uh, we lost most of our news department here. The Tribune used to cover every city council meeting. They don't do it anymore. So the people now have to have a greater responsibility to follow city news because they can't depend upon the local media anymore. That's right. That's right. And and at the end of the day, although they're the fourth estate, they're really important. We are the estate, the people. We own the government. And it's really important that, that we get to those council meetings that even if you just show up, you don't have to speak up always. Not everybody does or can show up. The fact that you're there makes a big difference. I don't know about other cities, but in San Luis, you can go to the website and you can sign up for email updates, and they will send you, depending upon what you're looking for, all right, here's what happened at the city council meeting. Here's the agenda for the next meeting. So you can have the resources if you want to follow along individually to know what's going on. And you can watch it on TV, and you can sometimes participate via Zoom, depending how they're doing it now. Um, and it's and the cities have good websites. You can find all the information on the websites. And whatever you can't find, you're allowed to ask for. Mm. 
So, Debbie, how do you feel about local government these days? Are you optimistic? Are you cynical? You down? I'm the eternal optimist. That's why I won't give up. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm happy. I think our system is. I think generally our system is working. I think as a rule, our courts are working. They're doing the, what they're supposed to do. I think we do have overall that balance. I think the clerks, um, the county clerks, the voter clerks, the city clerks, um, they have um, in, tremendous integrity. Many, many of them, and. Um, and and so do city managers. I'm not down on city managers. I'm just wanting city council members to take up their role. Yeah. I wish we had had more than four people run for city council in San Luis. There were two seats who only had four candidates. And I get it. Uh, people don't want to take the local Democratic Party on. They kind of control who's <laughs> running for races these days. That could be another show. But I, I wish there had been more people step forward. Yeah, the more the merrier. That's why Dan Carpenter and I are friends. We both step forward. Yeah. All right. It's a good thing. So the the two books are The Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town, City Council 101, Insider's Guide for New Council Members. When might we expect the third? Probably April, and I also have an online course, and I've kept the price low. It's $97, but it's audio-visual. You can do it either way, um, and it's called Double Dias, Adventures in Local Government, and it covers not just the council, but also we the people, and um, you can get to that just by going to my website, debbiepeterson.com, and it will link you. All right, Debbie, i got 30 seconds for a final thought. Show up. <laughs> show up, go to your city council meetings, pay attention, read what's going on, um, because it does affect you. It does affect your quality of life. Um, ask those questions. Get what, get the information you need and help it be a better place. And be sure to vote each and every time. Absolutely, but you're not done when you vote. You've got to then write herd on it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Debbie, congratulations on the book. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Dave. Off we go. We got news and traffic and weather. Get ready. Here comes the 5 o'clock hour. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.